This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. I am Kyle. I'm here with Jesse. Yeah. And Jimmy. Uh-huh. And we are here to finally finish out season four. We had quite the unexpected hiatus. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, work, uh, work got a little crazy for all three of us and not the same crazy for kind of the first time in a while. Yeah, all different crazies all at once. Just a giant chain. Chain of crazy. Exactly. So, uh, Jesse, what are we talking about today? Today, altruism, pity, oh. good deeds, etc. The concept we're discussing has been known by a lot of different names over time. But basically, it comes down to doing good deeds for others without thinking about yourself. Nice. Sounds like a, sounds like a very uh, noble, noble thing. Yeah. It kind of it kind of falls under like the uh, the the argument about like uh, it's not possible to do a fully selfless act, right? Like that's that's kind mm-hmm. of where we're approaching this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's a there's kind of a perception that you know other people can do this, but maybe I can't do this for each of us. You know the okay. the inward. The, well, I could, but maybe somebody else could do that. But I I don't think I have. You know you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I'm pretty well, sure that, that when I examine my own motives for doing good things, I eventually get back to how it benefits me in some way, you know, if right. I'm really honest with myself. Right, that's but, what I was about to say. It, it's I, one of those things where it, it's really, it, there's no not fully, like, I mean, in some way it's self-serving. It, like, even if it's just a minimal down to, like, it, it makes you feel good that somebody else feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's probably the most basic way to say it. I mean, you can look at examples of people like uh, Mother Teresa, maybe, who just <clears throat> served the poor and lived among them and helped the poor people in India any way that she could her whole life and didn't really have anything for herself. And why would she do that? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, like, it's that whole self-sacrifice thing, it's like, I feel like altruism can only really be, like, viewed on a scale. And nobody's really at the, like, full extreme of, like, pure altruism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of my research, like, really reinforced that. Or at least, like, the research that I found. I didn't I didn't delve super deep into, into the topic. I, I found some items that I thought would be, like, useful, but... You know, true to, true to form of what happens on the internet nowadays, I uh, I found three articles that kind of confirmed my precon- preconceptions, mm. <laughs> and then stopped because what's the point, right? I was right. I don't need to nice. look up anymore. For sure. Yeah. But uh, before we jump into that, Jesse, were there any updates? It's been quite a while yeah. since we've had uh, had an episode, so I, I'm sure something has happened. You know, it has been a while, but I didn't have to look back very far. Just this week, flying cars have been in the news. No. Yeah. No way. Have you having Have you had occasion to notice? These no, cars? I, I did. I saw a different update on a, a previous episode, but let's cover yeah. your topic first. I think I might know what you're talking about, but it's okay. So, flying cars. There's a New York Times article, which I will pop open quickly here. Yes, I want to leave that note. I'm in a new window. 
It's on the New York Times. It says, no longer a dream. Silicon Valley takes on the flying car. No way. Way. Definitely way. That's ridiculous. And there's a picture of it flying over a lake. Oddly, though, it looks very uncar-like. Uncar-like? Yeah. It, it, would it be street legal? No, no, it won't drive at all. It's uh, annoying. It's called the Kitty Hawk Flyer. The Kitty uh, Hawk Flyer. Oh, it's just a, like a single. It's just a single person flight flying device. Just, uh, I feel like Ridiculous. I've heard about this thing before. Is this like a new thing that just happened, or is this something that's like a a really up or something that's been built before? No, it's. I mean, it's making news right now because they're going to start selling it by the end of the year. And they just announced that it, it will be on sale by the end of the year, but it's not. You know, obviously they would have had to um, been in production for a while on this. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So. Okay. Well, let me tell you the one I got. So uh, I'll give give the listeners some context, so I'm not just throwing names out here. Jimmy's former roommate Andrew text me an article this like not but a few days ago so timely mm-hmm. right actually not even a few days ago it was yesterday it was last night <laughs> last night very so there's timely this, nice. there's this thing there's this thing called waymo mm-hmm. the article it's a washington post article it says waymo is giving hundreds of people access to their own self-driving cars oh so it looks like the phoenix area is allowing a um is allowing particular like a beta ring of people to summon a car. Um, and then obviously it'll have to be monitored. Like the driving is monitored still, but it is a self-driving vehicle. They're like minivans. So what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, like, they have participants, participants and their like immediate family members can use a self-driving SUV or minivan as their primary or secondary vehicle at no cost. Um, they have safety drivers to monitor rides at all times. They're doing this mostly to just collect real-world information. But the reason they're doing it as a summon, like a summoning thing, is because they're expecting that, like every, everybody, I guess that end of the industry, the people doing self-driving cars, like Google and, um, and, and well, Google. I get this is still Google, but like they're they're kind of prepping for like Uber and Lyft to start using these types of things. Like you summon a ride from a car that some company that can afford to buy a self-driving car initially will buy, um, and then frankly. If that's kind of how the industry starts, people may never buy their own personal cars, right? Unless, unless they need to travel like all that much. Uh, but regardless, it is definitely. I mean, like apparently Arizona was keen to let them do this, and California kind of has been bracing themselves to like get them out. Um, I'll post the article to our to this week's cool. this week's episode. But yeah, definitely uh, an interesting interesting turn of events, I'd say. Yeah, 2.5 million miles self-driven. We've accumulated the equivalents of 400 years of human driving experience. That's great. And computers computers don't really get tired, so as long as they have gas or mm-hmm. energy and a means of moving, you know, and legal permission, they, they really could drive all the time. There's nothing stopping them. So that's, I mean, it's easy to build up experience yeah, that way. what a great way to test your product by actually just making it do the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah, go figure. It's the weirdest thing. Did they say something about simulated miles in, in the testing? But no, obviously now, road testing. 
good deal. Yeah, I'm really happy about it. Um, let's jump into altruism. So uh, let's let's give some examples, Jesse. Like, I mean, you talked about Mother Teresa. You talked about uh, you gave a really good, healthy definition of what altruism actually is. But uh, give give some examples. Uh, well, you had clipped an article here. Let's see if there it is. A minute is pure altruism. Is pure altruism possible? Is the title, and it has some anecdotes in here which I didn't find, but I'm glad you did. Well, one of them, I think one one of them is the most famous one, right? It's that guy who jumped down onto the tracks of a New York City subway because a guy yeah. like had a seizure and fell onto the tracks as a train was coming. Wesley Autry. That's the one. That was only 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any more examples in here? No. I guess yeah, not. I saw a, a lot more there, names. There, but, uh. there, no, there's one more. There's one more right after it. The Virginia Tech shooting, there was a professor that blocked the door um, to his classroom, mm-hmm. letting students escape, um, and he ended up passing from that. Yeah. Uh, those are the two examples they give to just kind of like start their conversation of what you know pure altruism is. I do like that the the way they define it because like they do go into this entire back this article, yeah. um, which is actually from two thousand ten, so it's uh, it's also kind of dated. Um, but it goes into this um, the research of Richard Dawkins uh, in relate in relation to this, and Richard Dawkins had this thing called kin selection. It's the quote unquote selfish gene theory. Um, that says that an individual who behaves altruistically towards others who share its genes will tend to reproduce those genes. So it's really, it's like, it's self-preservation, but it's like legacy self-preservation. So it's like, even if you can't save yourself, you're more prone to saving your like kids or your, you know, your, uh, your family just because like it's a natural, like in a lot of other creatures other than humans, it's a natural thing to protect your, your offspring. Humans do that too. I, I don't think we're any different in the evolution. No, I know. I'm just saying. I was saying another. In another, like you can see it in more than just humans. Was my point. Yeah. Sorry. So, as far as animal altruism goes, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, it doesn't. Altruism doesn't make sense. Why would? Why would an animal whose instinct it is, who has been bred for generations and generations? In self-preservation, uh, why would that animal give up itself or its chance at at thriving for the sake of another animal? You're right. It's just not. It wouldn't be in in their nature or in our nature, seeing as how we are descended the same in the same manner. Well, and like. I mean, completely valid, and it's like it, that's that's uh, that kind of like helps disprove uh, a point a point of issue that Ayn Rand specifically, mm-hmm. the author, uh, took issue with as far as altruism was concerned. Is that like well, all, you know, a lot of people tie altruism to morals, and it's like well, animals don't really have a moral mm-hmm. code; they have nature, and that's that's about the only code they live by. Um, but it, it like she so she goes she goes one step further, and she says that it like. You know, this is, by the way, this is completely paraphrased because it's from a uh, commentary on her work. But it, it, the, I, the concept is wh- why is it moral to serve the happiness of others but not your own? 
If enjoyment is a value, why is it moral when experienced by others, but immoral when experienced by yourself? Wow. That's pretty cool. Right. It's a really deep concept. It's like, okay, well, like, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll go down your, we'll go down your dirt path of altruism is a, it is the moral high road. Um, and that's why you should do it. That's the motivation on why you should care for others over yourself. But like, if it's, if the moral of being altruistic is to serve the happiness of others and you're saying happiness is a good thing for other people, why is it, why is it not an absolute then? It's like only, it's completely relative uh, to being objective, but not when it's subjective. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting concept. I'll have to post this article because there's several like, like there are, I mean, it goes on for paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of this concept of altruism. Um, altruism in, in relation to the moral yeah. code, quote unquote. I did find it a couple of things about the moral code too, and it's kind of, you know, it's not natural, it seems like, for us to do this, but it does seem, everybody seems to think it's a good idea, right? Did you find anybody who was like, no, nah, don't, don't bother, just look out for yourself, it's okay. Well, no, like, but like, I, I don't, see, I didn't see that anywhere, but what I, what I have, like, what I can see, and I don't have any, like, articles that support this, is just, like, in, in discussion with people about, like, you know, over my lifetime about, why you should do the quote unquote right thing. It's like every, everybody's kind of said like what we started the discussion with, which is like, well, there is nothing that's purely altruistic because even if it does nothing but make you feel happy that somebody else is feeling happiness, that's still mm -hmm. kind of self-serving. Right. But like, if you think about it though, if you do, if you do good deeds to other people or for other people or make a sacrifice, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not like it's bad for business. Right. Like a lot uh -huh. of businesses will go out of their way and like, give their money to like uh, like the local little league team or whatever um, or donate money to a high school or whatever. But like they're, they're not doing that to benefit the high school. Although like, I'm sure there is some of that. I'm not saying it's com like completely one way or the other, um, but it also like, you know, they, they can advertise the community look like we're mm -hmm. supporting the community or, Hey, we helped this ragtag team get uniforms or what, whatever the case may be. Um, it's definitely not a bad, you know, it's kind of like it's a marketing, you're marketing right. your altruism. And if you don't, if you don't do those things, then, then you just do traditional marketing. But like, I don't know. I think it, it, I think it hits home and hits an emotional chord with people when it's quote unquote altruism that is being right. uh, advertised. So what if you're incapable of, of understanding emotion? Like if you have, like if you have a person who can't tell when something is a good thing or a bad thing, like if you ran into somebody who just does things to do things, is that a way of being altruistic? Like if, if they just give people things because they don't, and they don't have any type of social understanding that giving someone a thing is a gift or, or, or a burden or anything like that, is that altruistic in its way? Because you don't know, I guess you wouldn't have the, the emotional like intelligence to understand what like the satisfaction of giving somebody a gift is. So if you were to have that, like some people on, on that can't, that can be like on the autistic scale, kind of have trouble reading social cues, can that be altruistic in that way? Well, you're, I mean, you're, you just described Sheldon right. Cooper. <laughs> the fictional oh, character yeah. of the Big Bang Theory. That everybody knows one person like him, at least one person. I think in our field, we know several people like him, but that's, you know, 
You you essentially just described him. Yeah, I mean, but is he is Sheldon Cooper altruistic? Because if he just does things to do things, and he doesn't understand that they make they mean good or not, he's just doing them to do them. So is that altruistic? Is that if you give somebody a gift, is that is because he has no concept of of it coming back and helping him at some point? Is that altruism? Well, I mean, like. You can kind of see, like, I mean, granted, the writers are writing a fictitious character. It's a situational comedy, so they're also trying to be funny at the same time. But even in that, they find ways to humanize his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they're all inadvertent to the character. Like, so he's not trying to be altruistic. He's not trying to be caring in any way. But he ends up being caring. And the longer that the series has gone on, the more human he has become, uh, you know, from where he started. And so I think that even even somebody on like even somebody with that personality type, I think like th- you know like it's the same thing we we're talking about with animals. Animals like don't have a ton of cognitive ability, which I'm sure somebody will argue with me about that. I hope somebody does. Uh, but you know, like e- even animals who don't have a cognitive ability or a, a ginormous co- cognitive ability, they're still able to be somewhat altruistic, or at least what we would define as altruistic. So animals don't have a huge cognitive ability, but they're still able to be to do things that we view as altruistic. And like, clearly, there's no moral code for them, or like, maybe not so clearly. But nevertheless, we still would view some things that animals do as altruistic. Sometimes, but I found some research that that debunked animal altruism a little bit. It, no, it said that they always have a when examined closer. They always have a reason, a self, like what self-preserving reason to do. So, um, let's see. They didn't give any examples, but they did debunk a couple of the the major things that people think of. Like this, uh, have you heard of Bernd Heinrich and his helpful ravens? No. Do tell. So he he had observed that ravens seem to be excessively smart, the, probably the smartest bird, and they have the the biggest brain I think for birds relative to size. So they and even going back like way back to Roman times in history, ravens have always kind of been thought of as as very wise or smart, mm. intelligent. Yeah, and so. And some people had observed what they thought was altruistic behavior in ravens. Um, this one example was that he actually observed Bernd Heinrich, who he's, he is German, Austrian, but he teaches in Vermont now. He was hiking through the Maine woods one day, the Maine as in state of Maine. Okay. And he happened upon a group of ravens feasting on a dead moose. They were unusually noisy, making a loud call that Heinrich had never heard before, a call that seemed to attract even more ravens to the scene. So it sounded like uh, what he had hypothesized was that they they were trying to communicate to all the other ravens, hey, there's a huge dead moose, there's plenty of meat for all of us, come and get it. And he thought, wow, that is that is very unlike the animal kingdom. Or even even just among their species, you know, generally they would. You know, we've always observed birds fighting over 
even if they can't, you know, breadcrumbs or, or they're fighting to hold even more than they can eat. There's okay. one example, I, I think it was in this article, maybe a different one, where a guy was watching a raven, again, a raven, and there was two donuts that were on the ground. And donuts are pretty big and relative size to a bird. But the raven put his head through one and carried it on his neck and then grabbed the other one in his beak and flew with both huh. of them and didn't, didn't share them. So this, this moose thing was, was interesting to Heinrich because he thought it looked like altruism. But when he, he pondered it and he studied ravens more and he figured out that, um, actually this other guy, Jeff Stevens, a psychology professor, says, uh, like most example, examples of animal altruism, what seemed to be a selfish, selfless act had selfish benefits. The sharing ravens were juveniles that had found the moose carcass in a mature raven's territory. By bringing other young ravens to the feast, they avoided being chased off oh. by the territory-holding bird. Huh. Okay. So, but crows are kind of nefarious creatures, right? Yeah. Crows, I mean, ravens. They sorry, seem... ra yeah, ravens. I, I don't know. I have like was envisioning a black bird and said crow. Right. Okay. You, raven, nonetheless, ravens are like kind of nefarious creatures, aren't they? They they kind of do have that reputation. So, I mean, like, granted, I'm giving a lot of personality to a bird, mm -hmm. uh, but, mm -hmm. like, ravens being underhanded, especially being the scavengers they are, that's not... I mean, that's not all too surprising. Are there any examples in, like, cute, cuddly creatures that... Uh, I mean, there, I, I... There was some I dolphin, get... dolphin ones. Oh, oh, see, there we go. We got a cute and intelligent creature. This is great. Let's hear it. So there was a couple... couple stories here in the recent case. In the, when was this written? Nah, it doesn't... Oh, 2013. Okay. Well, that's not that bad. Four years. It's good. The recent case of the dolphin and the sperm whales off Portugal... Oh, were they, um, no, that's not the one I was thinking of. Anyway, oh, man. check out this article, Is Animal Altruism Real? Okay. It's got a bunch of examples in it. But the one that I thought was interesting, in 2008, one bottlenose dolphin came to the rescue of two beached whales in New Zealand and led them to, into safe waters. Without the dolphin's guidance, the whales surely would have died. Uh, oh, then the other one that was kind of crazy, also in New Zealand, a group of swimmers were swimming in the ocean, and they noticed okay. some dolphins that a group of dolphins circled around the, the swimmers, and they were splashing and kind of making noise and, and getting closer and closer to the swimmers. And at first they thought it was that they were being threatened by the dolphins, but then they figured out they saw sharks, and they figured out that the dolphins were trying to protect them from the Interesting. sharks, which is crazy. Yeah, but they, nothing seems underhanded about that. Yeah, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't go into detail in the article about that, but yeah, maybe it's it's real. Dolphins, they're great. Huh. I love. I do love dolphins. They are pretty cute. Thanks for all the fish. Yeah, that's when they're leaving, though. We don't want them to leave. <laughs> okay, so there's one one final point that you wanted to make here, and that's about. It's this TED Talk you found about how to buy happiness. Oh, yeah. Everyone should go watch this. It's 10 minutes. 
it sounds it sounds so the title may sound like uh, what we referenced a little earlier with, with you were talking about the Ayn Rand. Yeah. Uh, make yourself happy kind of, I don't know, maybe it's not related, but so when I first, when I saw the title, I thought, Oh, for sure. This is going to be, I didn't know what it was going to be, but it kind of sounds like he's going to say, okay, you can make yourself happy just by, you know, money, we studied it, and people with more money actually are happier. But okay, that's not what he said. What his point was is that if you spend money on other people, you're happier than if you spend it on yourself. And they had a series of of um, experiments they did they with real people in the real world, where they would give them an amount of money and and say. Okay, um, buy yourself. This is this money. This five dollars is for you to buy a coffee or a donut or a treat or something that you want. And then just always ask. Come back at the end of the day and take another survey. And then to a different group of people, they said, take the money and do something kind for somebody else. And then come back at the end of the day, and we'll do. They did another survey, and it turned out the people that spent the money on others reported more happiness and satisfaction. Hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, maybe so maybe maybe altruism isn't natural as an instinct for us, but it there it is, is motivated though. It can be, yeah. Maybe if we just go ahead and accept that doing something good for other people will make us feel good too and just roll with it. Right. Maybe that's the right way to, to go about life. Perhaps. So maybe it's okay that it makes you feel good too. But if you were to make it like a, not, and this is probably taking away too much from it, but if you, if you're making it like a, almost like a chore, like I don't do this because it makes me feel good, but I just do this because it's what humans do for other humans. Have you just made it that simple? Mm -hmm. Is that altruistic? Because isn't the point of altruism to do something kind without wanting or needing to receive anything back, including like satisfaction? Yeah, that is that is what is implied by by altruism by the word. But I think you, how do you separate yourself from from that? You have to be Spock. <laughs> Okay, so now we're back to the, the we're back to the I don't know, the the lack of emotion, I guess. Well, like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't I I guess I I have a hard time comprehending how you would do it because I don't think it's possible for me. I don't think it's possible mm -hmm. for me to ever I mean, I will always if I help somebody, I will always feel good. And there is a there is a a there is also another level and I can, I'll speak very honestly. Like there is another level of like, like people always ask me, like I, I always give always like, Oh, I would say 90% of the time that someone asks me for money on the street, I will give them whatever's in my pockets. Well, not all of what's in my pockets, but I will give them something at least. And what mm -hmm. I've always told people is I always do that in case in the future I am asking for money. I'm hoping I'm buying enough karma points to where someone will help me out in that point in time. 
and that is that is not altruistic. That is right. That kind of proves right. that point. So I'm just I don't know. This is so this is such a fascinating topic to me, and it just the more yeah. we, the more we dive into it, the more I think that it's part of me thinks it is possible because I think it is possible to teach your mind. Like I feel like if you meditated every day mm. on helping people is not out of the norm and it's just what you're supposed to do as another human, you could potentially get there. But right. that's a lot of, you would have to be a, you'd have to be a, a Shaolin monk with no. <laughs> <laughs> with no resources to actually help anybody. Yeah. Or, or that. <laughs> or you have to try harder, I think. <laughs> Well, uh, let's wrap this up. Like, so what do you think, Jesse, Jimmy? Like, is it is pure altruism possible? I don't, I don't think so. But uh, who cares? Mm. Oh, interesting. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose nobody really asks that question after they ask the "Is altruism possible?" It's like, does it really freaking matter? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, that's a that's a super valid point. Yeah, no, I I don't know if it is, I don't know if it is truly possible. But I agree with Jesse that if it's if people use self self interest as a way of, uh, you know, like self gain or something as a way of helping more people, then it's not really that bad of a thing in my mind. Yeah. So what if it does benefit you? It also benefited the person that you helped, mm-hmm. and the way that you feel about it doesn't change the effect it had. I think that's such a nicer way to look at it too. Like it, it certainly makes me feel better about like just any, I don't know, anything related to anything uh, about altruism is just like, you're like, like you said, you're helping other people. I think that makes almost everybody feel good. Even if it was somewhat self-serving, I think that's a good thing. It's just that the fact that goodness is happening is probably good. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, think so. I, I think so. Cool. Well, hey, we, we missed a golden opportunity because Jimmy apparently researches while we're doing the show. Uh, there is another update. Jimmy texts me an article in the, the back channels of our recording um, about this guy, this inventor named Richard Browning, yeah. who has invented the Iron Man suit. Yeah, he figured out – I actually saw this on Facebook. and When you guys were talking about it, I, it reminded me, so I looked up the article real quick and sent it to you. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we were talking about was super hard to figure out when we were talking about our Iron Man, uh, was arm stabilization, right? The wrist was trying to, the way that he flies and the way that he does all that. Now he doesn't do it quite the way that Tony Stark does it because it's the thrust coming out of the palm. He has a device that wraps around his wrist and shoots down the side. But I saw that on Facebook a little while ago and was like, Oh, Hey, this is, this is, this is what we talked about. Not, it's way clunkier and way bigger, but it, he actually does get airborne with it and do, and can travel around a very large warehouse. So that was a well. It's it's wow. legitimately becoming more Iron Man esque too because Sony supplied him with a heads up display uh-huh. <clears throat> to like kind of help perpetuate the the like view from the suit. Um, but yeah, like well, I'll I'll post this article. It's from Wired. Wired did like a whole thing on him. It, I mean, it's like it doesn't look directly like the Iron Man suit, like Jimmy said, but it it is probably is it's as close to practical. That's the thing is like it works. It totally works. Um, not like not nearly to the level that we would imagine normally, but it's the closest thing to what we'd imagine, and it definitely is. You know, it's one of those things that like now that there's traction, it's you know, sure might be possible now. 
I mean, he he's overcome some of the other obstacles. So who knows? I I would really like that type of thing. We talked. I remember we talked about um, uh, in the Iron Man episode. We talked about how like practically like where I see that type of technology going, and I see it being like in a hundred years or something being like the forklifts of the future. Like you just rent an Iron Man suit and then you pick up heavy things, and that's how you. But think about how cool that would be if you could control that type of like. If you could make that flight thing that he has a type of jump, like a really controlled, like if you could kind of, however you steer it, if you're able to have such finesse with it that you're able to jump from one floor to another floor and jump down from the first floor and slow yourself down, like there are so many jobs that can benefit from that type of movement. It'd be really cool. Right. Well, I mean, especially like life safety jobs, like, or emergency services jobs. It's like, think about how many people you could evacuate from a building. If you could like travel between floors really right. quickly, that'd be really cool. That's a, that's a really cool, like, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a really cool, like progress on a piece of technology. Definitely can't wait to see where it goes in the future. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they keep working on it and making it as cool as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So Jesse, Hmm. Mm-hmm. You're gonna ask me what's next, and I'm not on that page. Jesse, what's next? <laughs> Switch uh, pages. This might surprise you, but I'm not on that page. <laughs> you caught me off guard. Well, because you're you're doing what I'm doing. Yeah, bye. <laughs> in, be- in between statements. Looks like remote depositing cash. Of yes, near and dear to your heart. Yes, finally, after all this time. I'm so happy. I will, I will be leaning heavily on you for this. I hope I find days. some good stuff for it, man. What are we talking about? <laughs> Remote depositing cash. Like, you know how you can take a picture from your phone? Uh-huh. You can take a picture of a check, uh-huh. like a, a personal check, a business check, and it, the deposit is in your account seemingly within minutes. It's gotten better as like the couple, last couple of years have yeah. gone on. But they, what is stopping us from going to a place where you could – remote deposit cash like i mean it really is no different but like every every bit of paper in the united states has a unique serial number oh. on it. why can't you take a picture of that and it just pulls it from circulation i mean we'd have payment systems would have to update. anyway there's a whole there's a whole slew of things i've thought about since i proposed this topic well over a year ago i'm very excited i've done zero research on it up to now so it's not like there's been a progression in technology since i originally okay. thought of it I just I can't wait to research it. It's gonna be a great great topic, great episode. Yeah, I'm I'm real I'm real fascinated to see how that one goes. So uh, we we will catch you all next week. Jesse and I and probably Jimmy at this point need to go watch the rest of a uh, of a playoff game that the Ducks are in yeah, right now. Uh, so we're gonna jet and we will talk to you next right. week. It's not looking good, but hope for the best. Yeah, with cross your game, fingers, everybody. With the game, I mean, we'll be back next week. Oh yeah, we'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. Impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.